Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as Mike Emoji, 90.9 CFM, TV Emoji, The Project, Hammer Emoji, Manspace, Computer Emoji, Instagram and Snapchat, Dan underscore Anstey, Don't Go There Emoji, Views of the View of the View, Mainly Whoopi. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Dan Anstey. Hello, Steve. It's like everyone knew it was you. Yeah, especially when you read out the Instagram and Snapchat at Dan underscore Anstey bit. That bit gave it away. Oh, I was hoping. So, Dan, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? <sighs> Just, uh, hey, I'm Dan. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes I'll roll out Danstey. But people normally cotton on to that themselves and they have this epiphany moment. They're like, oh my God, your name's Dan Anstey. Yeah. I can run that together. It's not like a Kimye thing where it's you're two different people? No. No, I haven't, I, I, I haven't developed a split personality disorder just yet. But I'm mm. sure it's on the way given the hours of breakfast radio. I mean, it, it, it can't be healthy. Have you been able to um, do the mashup name with your partner? Yeah, her name's Claire Dufty. And the closest we've come is Dufty, which doesn't sound... The best I've ever heard is Lauren Phillips and Lockie Spark. Mm. Lauren Phillips works for Channel 9. Uh, they're the Farks. Yeah, I'm down with that. That's the best I've ever heard. Lachlan Spark's a good guy. Yeah. Shout um, out to Lockie if he's listening. He won't be, but thanks nonetheless. <laughs> Dan, what are you passionate about? What am I passionate about? Goose, that's a deep question, Mulk. You've gone real deep with me up Straight front. off. You've just gone so deep so quickly. I'm a deep kind of guy. You know, I think I'm, oh God, as sappy as it sounds, I think I'm passionate about making, I was going to say making people laugh, but even that might be too specific. Making people enjoy their lives, Mm -hmm. be happy. That's kind of what radio is about in a way. I mean, radio is generally about playing ads and fart noises if you're on commercial, but I think, yeah. Earning other people money. That's the good stuff. But yeah, I think, I think I'm passionate about the connecting with people I don't know, making them feel something, whether it's mm. pissed off at me, whether they're laughing, whether they're sad, generally because what I'm doing is so sure. awful. I mean, I'd like to elicit a deeper sort of sad emotion where they get in touch with, you know, that melancholy that's at the centre of all of us, but generally sure. they're just sad because they hate what I'm we doing. We don't have time for that between 7.59 and 8.02. No, we don't, mate. We've got to get to the news ASAP. In fact, I think in regional radio, which the Gold Coast is a part of, mm. we, it's part of our licence condition that we have to get news on within a minute and a half of right. the hour and a half hour. We never achieve that. Well, at least you have goals. So if 90.9 CFM goes off air <laughs> and the license gets redacted immediately, that was me not getting the news to wear on time. If you I suddenly hear Adele, yeah. <laughs> the <Hello>. emergency tape's <laughs> on. <laughs> Do you think that that, that desire to, to have people feel good about themselves or to enjoy their life, as you put it, has that come out of like Dan was a lark at high school or is it, is it, has there been some significant moment where you go, you know what? I just want to make people happy because I'm not. No, I don't think it was ever because I wasn't because I had a, a completely pleasant feel upbringing. Mm. My, my parents are still together. Hang on. 2017 breaking news. What? Yeah, I know. Right. It's an, it's an absolute anomaly. My parents are still together, still happy. <gasps> Got two brothers who are both happily married now. Mm. Everything. You know, I've lost a few grandparents along the way, but I haven't experienced tr- any sort of tragic loss. So I've mm. had, never really had anything to be unhappy about. I think I just enjoyed when I was in high school being a peanut. Yeah. And people 
would laugh or enjoy it. I think I just really enjoyed that. Yeah. I don't know what it is inside someone that, because I always look at stand-up comedians and I feel two things. I look at them and I go, that's amazing to stand up in front of a crowd with just a microphone and make people laugh. That is the height of comedy. But then I'm like, you're a weirdo because you stand in a dark room wanting people's attention and wanting them to like you. It's this real kind of dichotomy. Yeah. It's the nobility of wanting to make people laugh. But then I think also, am I just an attention seeker? It's mm. the struggle that I grapple with all the time. I mean, it's a, you've got to really be careful to be on the right side of that line. If yeah. you go too attention seeker, bad. I think, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just always enjoyed making people, I hope for the right reasons, Yeah. laugh for, for whatever reason. If, if I was to have a conversation with your year nine English teacher. and Miss I said, White. All right, Miss White, I'd like to talk to you about Daniel. How is he doing? How is he going to get on in life? What do you reckon she'd say? I think she would say he'll be fine because he's a real smart ass <laughs> and he isn't motivated, as motivated as he could be in English, but mm. I can see that he has a desire to do well. You know yes. what I mean? Like he, he doesn't care about this, but I think, uh, yeah, I think I always wanted to be good at something. I think I got that from my parents. My mm-hmm. dad's a pretty successful doctor and mum's a, a physiotherapist. And they, I think they instilled in me, do whatever you want. Yep. Just be the best at it. Yeah. I haven't ticked the second box yet, but I, <laughs> the first one, most certainly. <laughs> and here you are working on breakfast radio, earning more than both of them together. <laughs> Not quite. It is regional, but we'll get there one day. <laughs> dad is in public medicine, so he set the bar pretty low. Yeah. Well done, Dad. Thanks for helping us out. I know. I, I, what happened to the trust fund, Dad? He could have gone to private medicine, tripled his salary. Yeah. Been he's, driving Lexuses. He's too... Lexi? Lexi. Yeah. Yeah. He's too... Is too kind, my old man. He mm-hmm. just has worked in public medicine his whole life, saving people that actually need helping, as opposed to just being an anaesthetist in the private system and just selling out his soul for me. Come on, Dad. That's really selfish. Where's my trust fund? Where's my Lexi? I was about to ask, Have has any of those good characteristics of your dad that you're talking about rubbed off on you, and then you went down the Lexi path? <laughs> so maybe that answered my question ahead of time. Mark, I'd be happy with an Audi. Yeah. You know what? Well, I can good. compromise. Manageable. I'm a, I'm a good person. I get that from my mum, the compromise. I could go a BMW even. <laughs> I could take it down a notch. Great. If anyone's listening from BMW, I'm not suggesting that your vehicle is any less good than Alexa. Great car, good sponsor. I'm happy with you Love guys. Your work. Get in touch. <laughs> Reach out. <laughs> is, um, uh, you know, having, having that strong family base that you've got, that you spoke of just before, that must then give you a lot of comfort to be able to do some of... Look, let's be frank, the weird, stupid things that you call a job, right? It's yeah. Radio in itself isn't normal. Not Particularly at all. breakfast radio mm. is probably the most abnormal job a real human can have. You wake up incredibly early before anyone else and go talk into a black stick for three hours mm. about things sometimes you don't really care about. Sure. It's a very bizarre job. You're right. But you're absolutely spot on as well. So I did engineering after school. My parents, my father in particular, motivated me to do that. He, yes. was, he saw that I enjoyed maths and physics. So a degree school. in drinking that somehow turned to be something else. <laughs> Correct. So, yeah, I, I did that and that was my safety net. Mm. So this is me on the tightrope tight rope now. Yes. The radio. But I've got 
in my mind, I always had that safety net underneath me of this electrical engineering degree. Dad called radio my gap career. Great. When I first started, yeah. which he found very amusing. I found pretty amusing too. But now it's actually gone for longer than my study and my professional work <laughs> as an engineer combined. And there's not a chance in hell I could go back to that. If I went back to engineering, I would have to start as a graduate engineer. Mm. Pretty much everything I learned in university is almost not applicable now because it was 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So the safety net doesn't really exist, but yeah. there's this facade of a safety net it's in my mind. the false comfort. That's it. The real comfort comes from my family. You, you, yeah. you, know, you nailed it. Basically, whatever happens in my life, as long as my family are around and there, I, that's the real safety net. Not the engineering degree, which was just copious amounts of alcohol, <laughs> like you said. And I lived on campus too. So mm-hmm. my, I, I just would walk to university every day, or rarely. I'd walk to university about two days a week, sit there hungover. Yeah. I mean, but I think that's everyone's experience at university, is it? Did you go to uni? I, I did. I studied chemistry and there was a big engineering faculty at the university I went to. And because a lot of them, I studied chemistry, physics, that kind of thing. Where'd so you go? What did you do? UT Guns Point. I went UQ, Solution. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'll fight you we on the footy field. Pretend to have a, a you know a rivalry. No one really No, <laughs> no one cares. cares. No one, no one, I'd made her at both. both <laughs> UQ and QT doing double degrees. No one cares. But in that context, you spent a lot of time with engineers because they had a lot of the same first year subjects to yes. do. So we cohabitated. And look, they taught me some things about drinking um, that make me reflect now to say what what sort of hands are our large infrastructure projects really in based on the kind of people that are now doing them that were at uni when I was studying in engineering. You know what terrifies me the most? How much medical students would drink. Oh, they drank more than anyone. If you're listening to this and you, you have never been to university, I'm telling you the biggest piss heads are the med students. Incredible. They would Look, actually, they would drink probably... Not as often, but when they mm. went, they went hard. Yeah, but that's because they know where the good drugs are that's to be it. able to help them feel better afterwards. That's it. That, why do you think we're constantly running out of the good stuff in the ambulances and no <laughs> one's actually getting treated with it? <laughs> all these ambulance staff are like, oh, yeah, sorry, the doors fell open on the way down the M1 and we lost it all. All the oxycodone and the good stuff. Yeah, we lost it all, he mm. says, looking sheepish. <laughs> Anstey, in a crisis or an argument, are you fight or flight? Fight. Always? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my weaker points, actually. It takes me... My girlfriend knows how to operate me now. It takes me sort of 24 hours for information to sink in. <laughs> She's generally always right. Yeah. But in the moment, I have to win at all costs. Otherwise, I lose a part of me. You know, mm. like it's just that... You know, in, over the most mundane things as well, which way do you put cutlery in the dishwasher face down or face up yes i say face down because when you're getting knives and stuff out you'll you'll hurt your hand for the love of god claire put them face down amen but now because i care about her so much i will put them face up this is what i'm learning in my old age about compromise there are some old age gosh (laughs) 32 i'm getting there your old age there are some arguments that are worth winning and some that are not. That's yep. what I'm beginning to learn. But yes, I always go that argument and then maybe 24 hours later, I sheepishly realize, yeah, maybe you can have that one. See, that's interesting advice to, to learn because quite often it, a lot of people take many more than the 32 years you're talking about to come to grips with the idea that no, actually in a in a mutual, loving, caring relationship, sometimes... There are some fights that are not worth 
the pain and energy. Well, you know. I know all too well. You I love know. my wife desperately. Yes, exactly. Happy wife, happy life. I always used to think that was just something people said because it rhymes. It could not be truer. But, I mean, it, it can be true the other way, and it can be true of friendships. Mm. It's not gender-specific. If you love someone deeply, geez, we're getting deep now, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we are. Uh, sometimes let them win. Yep. Just, just cop one. Just cop one every now and then. Cause, and that is, I think that's the way that you truly show someone you care about them because you sacrifice something that you care about for them. For you, is love a warm, fuzzy feeling or is love a choice? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Oh, God, can I, can I sit on the fence and say a combination of both? Look, it's going to hurt your testicles, but you can. <laughs> There's that warm, fuzzy feeling. Mm. Oh, gee, that's a really tough one. Um, it, it should be a warm, fuzzy feeling, but oftentimes there are choices that you need to make. You, mm-hmm. need, you need to choose to embrace the warm fuzziness and block out sometimes those decisions you have to make where you have to sacrifice something that, and that irks you. You have to forget about that and remember, focus on the good stuff. Why am I sacrificing this? Yeah. That's right, because without this person, I don't want to live life anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. So it's it's majority warm, fuzzy feeling, but there is certainly a choice involved to embrace that and a choice to sacrifice sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Have some of the choices that you've made in your life meant that love has had to be sacrificed? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So my girlfriend before, Claire, uh, she got an amazing gig. We shall never speak her name. Of course, Voldemort. Mm. Uh, She got a job working at Oxford in uh, the UK, whereas I... The real place. The real one, uh, doing her uh, PhD. Wow. Neuropsychology. Wow. Exit, right? And I had just got the job with Husey and Kate, and I think at that stage I was... I had been hired by Fox to work on Fifi Dave. Yep. And... We just sort of came to this sad realization. We've been dating for six years that I think we're just going to have to choose to pursue our professional careers right now over Mm -hmm. this relationship. Turned out at the time, I can actually remember the moment when I walked into the airport to fly back to Melbourne. And that was the last time I'd see Voldemort, Harriet, for quite some time. And we would no longer be dating. I can remember the moment, as corny as it sounds, that I felt like my heart broke. I Mm. remember my shoulders slumping and just going, Jesus, that really hurts. And then it turned out to be one of the best things that happened to both of us because I met Claire. She met a guy over in the UK. His name's yes. Ed, who I've met recently. I am now on the Gold Coast where she grew up. I'm driving her car that she has loaned to me that she left here. Yes. We're actually really good friends. <laughs> I've caught up with her with Claire and I've mm. met her new boyfriend, Ed, as well. So it turned out to be excellent. But at the time, it was the most soul-destroying, painful thing I'd ever gone through. Mm-hmm. Flash forward two years, we're both so happy. We're both still good friends. We still talk. And I think we realized that maybe we thought it was a bigger deal than it was or maybe we were dating out of habit or we we just Mm. sort of become great friends as opposed to, you know, in a relationship. Yeah, that, that was a difficult, difficult choice, but it was the right one in retrospect. At the time, it was awful. 
you know that she's just writing her PhD about you, right? <laughs> it was like living with Sigmund Freud a lot of the time. And I would do something and she would go, do you want to know why you did yeah, that? Yeah. I went, no, no, I don't want to know the inner workings of my brain. And, and just to bleed through this, that's why she's reconnected with you and everything seems so hunky-dory. Because Single white female, just, you think? Just testing you with lots of little things. <laughs> Today, I introduced him to my new boyfriend and he responded like this, which goes on to shut the blah, blah, all in. I'm a case study and maybe I should also check the brake lines on the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There'll be some kind of weird ass. I don't even understand what's happening there. Anstey, now you've worked very hard to fall ass backward into some pretty amazing jobs. Mm. Um, what was the decision to go, you know what, engineering, as much as I love building bridges, I want to go on radio and burn some. Yeah, that, that, I think that, that just came from my personality. I just, mm. I, just was, I was always the dickhead in the office who would turn people's monitors upside down, put a piece of tape over the bottom of their laser mouse, swap the keys on their keyboard. Yes. And I just was like, I'm just not built for this. Mm. If I'd gone into a different stream of engineering, like research and development or something, maybe I would have been more stimulated and interested. But I was at a consultancy and it was very boring. Yep. And I just was always intrigued by radio and television. So yep. I went the hard way and signed up at community TV and community radio stations. Solid. And, yeah, the, yeah. You know, the old school way and just did whatever I possibly could. One of those things now no longer exists. Yeah. So I, 4 Z and Bruce 31 was my ilk. Mm. And is, is Bruce 31 still around? Well, it is, but it's no longer broadcasting. It's all internet-based, thanks, oh, Mr. God. Former Communications Minister Turnbull. Well, as long as they're... Are they making content, though, and they're working with people to make things? That's I, what I believe matters. they still are trying to do that. Yes. Because if you can make a show reel, that's mm. what counts. If you can get in front of a green screen or go, go out and do some box pops or build yourself a reel, that's what matters. That's kind of what I was doing in a way, building a demo for radio and a reel for TV. So how do you Hamish and Andy it from community radio, community TV to... That that because those first opportunities are few and far between yeah. to get in the real media air quotes real media stuff. How did you flip it? What did I do? I got a job at uh, so uh, when I was at Bridge Thirty One, I was working on a um, a movie review show called Real to Real, and they gave me the short films. Nice. That's how little they trusted me with their precious <laughs> airtime because they knew that it was coming to an end soon. Probably like we're not wasting it on this peanut. Yep. And Leon Murray was the host mm. of Real to Real, and he was very, very good. And when I first met him, I was like, I want this guy's job. Yeah. I'd, I'd do anything to get this guy's job. But then he turned out to be the loveliest guy ever, and he was working at Nova 106.9 yeah. on the street team. Mm. And Leon got me a job at Nova. Awesome. So he got me onto the street team. He then left to do Big Brother. Yes. Uh, the voice of Big Brother, thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. He was, you have 30 seconds to leave the house. That yes. was him. And then we really connected, like bonded, and we started doing demos and stuff together. And um, the project picked us up. We'd, so the project had a search for people to do the whip around. They did. That's right. Yes. So this is what you do. If you're listening to this and you want to get into media, I, I got very lucky, admittedly. Go and ca stalk Carrie Bickmore. Correct. Exactly. Wait down the bottom of the Como building Don't in Melbourne. Don't stalk Carrie Bickmore. Street. She's too nice. Don't, Don't do that. Stalk Waleed instead. Yeah, he's, he that can won't be it. creepy at all. Yeah. Uh, look for opportunities when people are looking for you mm. and they don't even realise it and just go balls out. Enter every short film comp you can. Just harass people until it's easier for them to shut you up by giving you a job than yep. it is to listen to you anymore. That wow. is, that's the way to do it. So the project said we want people to do the whip around. Leon and I made a video. I think Channel 7 were also looking for people to, like it had a um, race Be the cash cow world. Something. Yeah, had some sort of vibe, like uh, uh, 
some sort of reality TV show thing. Anyway, we made a video that ended up, we could send it to both of them. It was right. about Brisbane. So we sent it to Channel 7. Then the project thing came up, make a video about your city. We sent it to them. Yep. And they said, you want to come and do segments for us? Yes, it please. blew our mind. We, absolutely. And then Ryan Rathbone, who was a program director at Nova 106.9, where we were, yeah. I, was, I still was, and he knew Leon. Still ice cold can of coking it. Oh, yeah. Back of a fluorescent panel van. Do you want a Jason yeah, Mraz CD? Yeah, 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 that's yeah. it. Yeah, just flicking out Bruno Mars CDs left, right and centre. <laughs> he said, do you want to do a late night show? Which made no sense. We did Monday, Tuesday nights for an hour and the premise of the show was to watch videos on the internet with people and talk about them after. Excellent. He was ahead of his time somewhat. That was 2010. And now we've got Facebook Live and we've mm. got other sort of vehicles to facilitate that. Back then it was literally just... This is on. Yep. Can you please watch YouTube videos with us and then call <laughs> us about them and just trust that people do it? And no one did. But Leon and I got some chemistry up and then the rest is sort of history. We started doing, uh, we filled in on late nights and we did weekend breakfast and then we did uh, late nights again. Mm. Uh, and then they moved me to the breakfast show. Yes. I was young then and they sort of just called me in one day and said, you're going to do this. Yes. And I look back now and I wonder if I'd said, no, I want to stay with Leon, where that that's yeah. a sliding doors moment. Because mm. Leon and I are going to start doing a podcast again now because we really Please. enjoy working with each other. Yeah. You guys, well, look, at, at the risk of blowing smoke up your butt, you guys are really funny together. Thank you, man. I, I do remember some of the early stuff that you were doing on the project, some of the, the video stuff that I saw pop up from you guys. It was... Look, not everybody's taste, but it totally nailed it for me. I just went, yeah, look, the guy in the hat is funny. The other guy's an idiot. You put those two together and it works. I would just follow Leon's lead, honestly. He's a gifted comedy writer. Mm. I think I might have had the helm with the radio stuff, but he was so good without knowing it. But you're right. It didn't appeal to everyone. But if you can find that niche. Mm-mm, for sure. In a bizarre way, the more niche you get, somehow it, it starts to appeal to more people. Like, you can... Just be talking about bizarre, esoteric things, but if you bring them into someone's sphere of existence, yep. they can love it without even knowing it. So if you've got this quirky sense of humor, it's almost like Kate, Tim and Marty. They're incredibly mean to their callers. Mm. They throw all the radio rules out the window. Marty reads off sheets of paper. Yeah. And if something's spelt wrong, he'll get stuck into his producers. They're just busting the fourth wall, which you wouldn't think would appeal to a lot of people. It's so... It seems like such a niche thing. You've got to be savvy and get the industry to get that. Mm. But it's a monster, that show. And I think everyone, without knowing that they liked it before it was on, is now like, that's genius. That's brilliant. So, yeah, it'd be good to to get back on, do something with Leon, if only just for ourselves and just because we liked it. The first time that they dropped you into panelling for someone else for another show, had you panelled before? So I had done, I'd done little bits and pieces. I I sort of had practised late nights, right? Mm. And then I panelled... The night show, which was Michelle and Smallsy, Michelle yes. Anderson and Ken Smalls. Now he still works for Nova. Yep. Smallsy does. Yeah, and just it was some guy, just some dude. Yeah, flying around the world. He's in bloody London or New Best York friends or with LA. Some guy called Ed. Yeah, all that. And it, it was terrifying because I knew the principles of it. It's like the first time you drive mm. a manual car. You know how everything works, and you could pass a written quiz. With flying colours, better than people who can actually have been driving for 40 years because you sure. know the intrinsics of it. But then to do it is the most difficult thing in the world because it you need that practice for it to flow. Yep. So I panelled their show, made heaps of mistakes, but got through it. Yes. And I think it's it, that, that thing gives you the confidence to do it again. It's like when you beat the big boss in a video game the first time. You're playing mm. Mortal Kombat 
and you get to Goro for the first time. Sure. And you're so terrified because you've never done this and you've never seen him. But when you beat him for the first time, you'll never lose to him again. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. You learn where the weaknesses are. You know how to play your character for that situation. So every time I just go here, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Next, please. Speaking of esoteric references, there's, there's one from Mortal Kombat on Ness. I'm happy with that. <laughs> but it gives you that confidence. You're like, oh, I've done this before. Mm. I can do this again. So then I, yeah, then I started, I was their regular panel up. And uh, then I got a call from Ryan Rathbone one afternoon and he said, I, would, I used to do crosses for Michelle and Smallsy. And he said, mate, you're late for your first shift. And I went, no, I don't have to be in until six. What are you talking about? It was like three o'clock. Mm. He said, no, Smallsy's sick. You're on with Michelle tonight. Congratulations. No, I shit my pants. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, because then I had to do the talking and the panelling. Nice, yeah. yeah. Terrifying. But once again, once you've done it, then, you, then you've got that um, sort of craving to go back and do it again. Push two buttons, slide something up, everyone's happy. Exactly. Throw to an ad, tell the time, done. Exactly. You get there. It, it's it, it just, it's, you do it incrementally, don't you? Mm, and you I make, expect so, having never been on the master control side of the panel. It's not as hard as you would think. It looks impressive. It's honestly not that hard. Something I say to the females a lot. <laughs> that's, and that's how he scored, Dumpty. <laughs> what a relationship conversation. Dan, I have one more question, if that's okay with you. Please. Where do you find your peace? I think you've got to find it. God, this is going to sound like absolute wankery again. You've got to find it internally. I think with Breakfast Radio, you have to be comfortable... Mm being by yourself a lot because you work bizarre hours. So I'll get home at sort of 10.30 some days and there are days where you'll have nothing to do. So you have to just, in a way, be comfortable with yourself. Mm -hmm. Just sort of, some, some days I'll, I'll honestly, we'll just sit at home doing nothing. I'll just watch Suits or just stare at the wall. <coughs> I don't stare at the wall. Mm. I mean, that makes me sound incredibly sad. I'm always doing things, but <laughs> I'm often alone. Yeah. I might walk over nowadays to Pack Fair, sure. uh, the shopping centre here on the Goldie, and stroll around. There are heaps of people around, but you're still alone. Yeah. So Yes, alone in a crowd is a big thing, isn't that's it? That's it. You need to be, I. yeah, you've got to be comfortable being by yourself. I think that's the first battle in life, I think. you need to. If, you, if you're not comfortable on your own, how... In the hell are you going to be comfortable with other people? Because mm. you're there. You're always there. You're always with yourself. So if you're not comfortable with yourself, you're not going to be comfortable with everyone in the room. Even if there's 100 people in the room and you're one of them, you're comfortable with the other 99. Mm. You're still not comfortable with yourself. So yeah, once... God, very deep. That's... That's... A, that's, a, that's right. I have a cat in a box for you. Or do I? <laughs> Heisenberg. Jesus. Um... Yeah, yeah. That it comes back to just yeah. Figure figure out if you're not comfortable with yourself, figure out why and work on it. How did you learn that? Well, for me, it was never difficult because I am lucky. I'm incredibly lucky. I never forget that to have a wonderful upbringing with people that cared about me. Mm. I didn't get bullied at school to any great extent. I was a nerd in high school, an absolute nerd, but um, I didn't really get bullied to the point where I've ever thought about high school with any in any negative light. I enjoyed my experience. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe if if you are, oh God, if you're struggling with that, maybe you've got to look at the people around you and pick and choose the people that you associate more. You got to you got to hang out with people who build you up, you know, and that you yeah, connect yeah. with. So if someone's dragging you down or just being a bit of a stain, you've got to cut them loose. I think and and. 
yeah, a, a lot, a lot of it. Yeah, it comes back to the people that you surround you with, and I think that you know what that might start internally. So I think I'm just back to sort out whatever it is in you mm-hmm. that's making you not happy. It really sounds kind of simple, you know. Like if you're not happy, think about why you're not happy, yeah, and then talk to people about it. Talk to someone that you get along with. Talk to a professional. And that, but that's super key, isn't it? Particularly in, in an age, 2017, we're in now, where the acknowledgement that depression particularly is something that is so prevalent, particularly in young dudes, mm. that Australian culture for males is not that we talk to our mates. It's not that we talk to anyone about how we're feeling. We just have to, you know, have a beer, get on with it, mate. You know, when we ask how you're going, often we don't really mean it. Everyone says good, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. And so you could be horrific. Yeah, you say good things. Those difficult conversations, I think, this goes for anything, for breaking up with someone, for, for telling someone you're struggling. Mm. The way to start them is find someone that you want to talk to them about, I think, and go up to them and say, hey, can I have a chat to you? Because once you do that, you're yeah. in it then. Yes. It's like when you're trying to write something and you're staring at a blank page. Write the first sentence, even if you hate it, because then you're off. Yeah. So just... I always found that with breaking up with people or having a hard discussion, you literally just sit down with them and go, hey, I need to talk. Or can we talk to something? Can I talk to you about something? And they'll go generally. They'll go, Jesus, sound serious. And mm. you can What respond. have I done? Yeah. What's wrong with this? Don't break up with me, Dan. Yeah, and you, you respond with, yeah, it is. And then you're in it. Mm. And then you are forced to just open your mouth and it all just comes tumbling out. That gets messy sometimes, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets very messy. Yeah. Yeah, but life's messy, man. If life was clean, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? I talk about the Pleasantville upbringing Mm. and everything, but, you know, there are trials and tribulations along the way, of course. The Pleasantville upbringing, though, allows you to handle those challenges and the messiness when it comes, though, yeah? That's it, yeah. I mean, it it can go one of two ways. You can... (laughs) You can end up the trust fund baby route where you've never really experienced mm. actual life and you don't actually have any clue to deal with. Kardashians, <laughs> sorry. Just a really so bad cough, man. Dust in here. Yeah, sorry about something. that, man. My asthma. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're okay now, though? Uh, thank you, yeah, yes. Yeah, great. Or you can go the route where your the parents and the people you surround you with make you well-balanced mm. and you can handle situations like that. And luckily for me, I think so far I'm the latter. Yep. I think. Mm-hmm. But nothing's come my way. Uh, that I haven't been able to handle as of yet. But yes. who knows? Who knows what tomorrow will bring? That That's super true, right? We for, can... better, for better or worse. <laughs> Hopefully for better. Please. Yeah, I do have a 4.30 alarm tomorrow though, which is bloody awful. But, you know, after that, it's it's a Friday. I know. And your Friday ends at 10.30. Please only listen to this podcast on Thursdays. We should have said that. <laughs> if you're listening on a Tuesday, you've ruined it for yourself. Now I have to put it out on Thursday. <laughs> Dan, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, I'll still be here, I imagine. I'm really enjoying it with... Uh, contractually. Yeah, contractually with Ben Haddett and Heather Maltman. Uh, I'm actually genuinely really loving it with them. She's a good egg. She's great. He's great. It's difficult being on a show with people on new to radio, but geez, they're taking it up quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a lot about myself, how to be patient. Yes. How to deal with differences of opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, Heather and I don't always get along. Ben and I don't always get along. We've got big differences, but... Yeah. Just be tolerant. And some, like that comes back to if you love someone or you care about someone, let them win from time to time. Yeah. That's fine. 
if they don't reciprocate, that's when you've got an issue. Yeah, you've got to let each other win every now and then. So yeah, twelve months. I imagine I'll still be here. I'd like to still be here, but I think I'll just be just working on me craft, as they say in the industry, trying to get better. You know, mm. it's got to constantly be getting better. But always wobbling the head, trying to get other gigs and bits and pieces. Yeah, please. Know? Yeah, trying to upgrade in some sort of some sort of way. I'd like to take these two peanuts somewhere eventually. Mm. Uh, but, you know, for now, it's it's the Gold Coast and working on getting better. So I think I'll still be here. Maybe I'll be engaged. Who knows? Been with Claire long enough now. Jeez, all my mates are putting the bloody pressure on me. And Claire isn't? No, nah, she's pretty chill. Deep mm. down, she's like, you son of a bitch. But that's on the Dude. radar in that you have talked about. We want to head down that path. That's not, no, we're just happy to be partners for the rest of our lives. No, it's, she desperately wants to get married. I don't give a toss either way. But mm. once again, if you love someone, do it for them. Yep. So now we've got to do the whole fanfare. I nearly said another F word there. That's all right. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't done anything. If, if Claire's listening to this, I haven't bought a ring. I haven't talked to anyone about it. No, but I, I haven't planned the balloons or no, anything. But I know that it's it's certainly on the way. It will it, it will happen. How soon's the next anniversary? Uh, when's, uh, no, it's uh, January's our... our oh, um, you got nine months. I know, right? But her parents are here mid-year. So maybe I have to do the whole drop the knee while we're out to dinner with them and my parents or something. But since you'll see it coming, it'll be too obvious if we're at dinner with my parents and her parents. You at least have to ask your parents, don't you? Yeah, well, I have to do that thing. I've actually talked to her about it. You would know this. It's the one thing in life I've mm-hmm. been told. This is good advice. You want the answer. You want to be certain about the answer, but you want the moment to be a surprise. You yes. do not want that effing answer to yeah. be a surprise. So we've actually talked about it at the point where we are almost mentally engaged but yep. we haven't gone through the process yet yes. but we've when we look forward in our in our mutually inclusive future futures there yes. are children there there has been a wedding all that stuff mm. god there's so much pressure i'm putting the pressure on myself now i didn't bring it on you no. that's all you no i just fall into the trap <laughs> <laughs> there are more than enough youtube videos that i'm sure you and leon have watched over your time where the dude at the basketball game, insert other big public event, does the big, oh, and I thought, will you marry me? Yeah. And the girl just goes, either, if if he's lucky, stand up, don't, please, don't, let's not make a scene now, let's talk about this later. Too late. And the if scene, he's the not, scene has been made. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but if, if she's not, man, you just get the, turn and walk away or the her crying because she's so embarrassed so embarrassed the moment is a surprise the answer cannot be a surprise have the discussion before you do it be well down the path of understanding what your partner thinks of this idea thank you exactly the best the best proposal video I've seen you've probably seen this one is a guy on the rooftop who um, gets the ring out and then fumbles it and it falls over the side of a building and he reaches for it and falls off like a three story (sighs) building and she goes oh my god and looks over the edge, and he's in a giant inflatable like um, crash bag, crash bag, with it that says "Marry me," and he's down there holding up the ring. Awesome! Right. See, that is good. That's big props. Might just rip it off. Nothing's original nowadays. Everything's no. been done. I might just rip off the best thing. You know, nothing new under the sun, man. Yeah. Hey, Dan. Yes, Steve. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. My pleasure. Did we get too deep? I felt I felt like I was just 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 really having a, a one man circle jerk for a while there. I get Is the impression right? that we've barely scratched the anstey surface. <laughs> don't go any deeper. There's skeletons down there, man. You seen Dexter? There's skeletons inside all of us, Dan. Yes. I don't want to break it to you. Thank you. There literally is. Yeah. Please know the things that you've said are very special and you're highly valued, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It's always nice 
to be asked to to talk for one, but especially mm. when someone's interested in you, that's a bloody flattering thing. It doesn't happen to me often, if I'm being completely honest. I thought when you got into the industry, people would be, oh, can I interview you do this all the time? No. Nah, it's not like that at all. Your Twitter followers don't quadruple overnight when mm. you go on the project. None of that happens. In fact, I've done appearances like on the Metro Whip Round and I've lost followers. <laughs> so none of it happens. So, man, thank you. Thank you for making a, uh, me feel a little bit special and uh, having a chat. I appreciate it. If people want to find you on the internet, in what fashion can they find you? Uh, I do I do the Twitters, obviously. I'm a human of Twitter. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, now. I, yeah. I, I'm on Insta. I, mm. I really am getting down with Instagram now. They've got the video thing. Enjoying the stories, I yeah. am. Yeah. Thank you. I Snapchat. I'm big on Snapchat because of the filters, and then I'll just put those up on Insta because yeah. they can exist permanently. Yeah. Uh, what else? Facebook. You know, mm. just, just bloody type, type into me. Google. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice because I'm sure no one else is Googling me. Well, you're pretty sure at this point if, if your work have their SEO game right, the first thing that people should find is the Dan, Heather and Ben You would hope so. They would have done that on the Google. You know what? This is always my old favorite test. You go to Google and you type oh, in his name, generally male name. Oh, no, you type in name and then the letter G. Yes. And it just gives you an idea of your, where you are in society and the, your perception out there because it'll either come up with girlfriend or gay. Or good or yes. Yeah. What do you think I'll be? Do you think, do I give off, oh. do I give off a campish vibe? I've got a lot I of gay friends. So. No? I don't think so. That said, this is the internet and we could expect pretty much anything. Dan Anstey G, guess what comes up? Is Dan Anstey gay? It comes up, Dan Anstey, Gold Coast, Dan Anstey, Girlfriend. Hooray! Let's go Steve Mole. hang on. Oh, yeah, I know where we'll end up there. Steve Mole. G? Fat. It says, Gay Time, your favourite ice cream. I don't mind a gay time. No, it says nothing. It says Steve Mole G, and then it just went blank. Steve Mole Twitter is if you oh get gosh. rid of the G. I can so, imagine. This thing's, this thing's bloody gone all time, Mocky. And yeah, there's lots of me in places that are inappropriate on the internet. <laughs> I won't go to Google Images. <laughs> I'll just... Actually, there's probably not many of me on Google Images. Let me just check that. One moment, please. Which is a great thing to do on a podcast if you Google Image me. <laughs> do this for yourself at home. This is like the stupid radio show I first started on. We did things <laughs> so, on the internet. So watch this video. <laughs> no, you're all over it. There's pictures of you here. There's a nice one. You've got spiky hair with a black shirt on. And yeah, a, my uh, official uh, headshot. Yeah. Mate, there's heaps of you. Yeah, you're all, you're all over the internet, buddy. You're There'd be some badly focused ones of me with famous people. Yeah, there they is. They pop yeah. up. You're dusted though. You can never work for ASIO. You're too you're too internet. I am. You know what I mean? I'd have to pay a lot of people to clean me out of the place. You'd have to fake your death, I think. Who's Yep. Yep. That's we could do it for real. I, I you're on to me and uh, If you're looking for Mulk, I have him. Bring twenty thousand dollars in small unmarked bills. Have you ever seen that just quickly? That show on the ABC um, I can't remember. Hunted, hunted, it's called. So there's a, a BBC or a UK version. They've just done a version of it in the US. The whole premise is they get a bunch of people, uh, usually singles. Sometimes they do it in pairs, and they go right. You have to last for thirty days on five hundred pounds. Go. They give them like a day's head start, and then they put professional like investigators and um, hunters and stuff to try and track them down. Wait, like if- Boba Fett. To yes, bounty down. hunters and stuff. Yes. If you last the 30 days, you win like some mega bucks thing. No one ever does. So you've got 500 quid. It's basically hide. Go and hide, hide. into the country somewhere. Like, I don't legit, although lots of people do go to the country. Yeah. Just you can't fly out internationally. You have to stay in domestic bounds. Right. 
And what what so obviously my mind goes straight away get a get a cab and just go into the countryside somewhere and bloody live in a hamlet in mm. Susan Boyle's basement or something. And that's what everybody thinks is going to get them out of it. And they get found. Mm. How do they find them? In some cases, they leverage, um, uh, what do you call that, CCTV stuff. I always saw them get into yeah. this cab with this this number. I know a person at that cab company. Where did that, Where cab, did that go cab go to? Go. Blah, 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 blah. Go to the town. Go to the hamlet. Yeah, yeah. Susan Boyle's there. You're like, I bet he's in her basement. Done. You have to surface at some point or you'll have left some kind of footprint behind. It's crazy, yeah. crazy. Okay. Can anyone really vanish except for maybe, um, you know, uh, what's the name on Homeland? What about the guy, what's the fitness instructor's name? The big, the guy who started all the fitness instructor industry in the US. Richard Simmons. He hasn't been bloody seen. Have you seen? He's in his house. Podcast. He's in his house. No, but he's he's in his house, right? But he just doesn't come out anymore. Well, this is it's it's I think it's called Where Is Richard Simmons? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's the whole premise of that. A couple of years ago, he was meant to hold a class at one of his gyms. Never showed up, and no one has seen him since. That's it. And he was on a uh, breakfast television show. The other week, I think, saying that he just doesn't feel like coming out and he's, he's, he's going through some stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't feel like coming out. No. Well, right. I mean, that's a story for his life. I think so. No one has seen him, though. That is just a voice on the end of a telephone. Mm. He's, he's dead. For Maybe sure. I'm Richard Simmons. Maybe. Maybe you are a skeleton covered in Richard Simmons, covered in Steve Moll. Many people looking at me would ask, have you eaten Richard Simmons? I'm just going to Google very quickly, is Steve Mock Richard Simmons? (laughs) The answer will be no. Richard Simmons. The men who made us thin is the first result (laughs) (laughs) from decidedtv.com. There's a tenuous link, but I'll take the free plug. And then MolksTVTalk.com is the second link. There you go. It's natural. Thank you, Dan. No worries, mate. Anytime. Um, Do you do... Do you do second editions? Do you do two-mans of Twitter? I haven't yet, but I have a number of people on the line that I want to line up for a second dig. Okay. One of which is your co-host, female oh, co-host. Maltz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. So you've, you've, she's been on this before. I have had her on the thing. Yeah. Oh, and it was a good conversation because it was, in fact, if we look back through the humans of, I'm going to pick this up. If we look back through the humans of Twitter archive, there are conversations with a lot of people who now have very serious media jobs that at the time that I spoke to them, not even on the radar. So I totally put down the fact that Sam Pang, Sam McMillan, Heather Maltman, humans of Twitter made them. Wow. So what does this mean for me? Well, it I, means nothing. I will either be in Richard Simmons' house doing a workout or hiding in Susan Boyle's basement by the end of this somewhere. Maybe they're the same thing. Maybe I'll get so big that there'll be bounty hunters after me. Only if it's Boba Fett. Yeah. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can <laughs> confirm that at Dan underscore Anstey is indeed human. <laughs>